The purpose of this podcast is solely for patient education. It is not intended to evaluate, diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Views expressed are those of the podcasters and not their affiliate. Any medical questions or concerns should be addressed by the listener's physician or care provider. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a patient-physician relationship between the listener and the podcaster. We do hope the podcast can help enhance the listener's own medical experience. Welcome back to this week's episode of Everything Your Doc Wants You to Know and Doesn't Have Time to Tell You. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lindsay. How are you, Lindsay? I'm great. Good, good. Having a good Monday so far? So far it is. Excellent. Well, I think we have an interesting topic today talking about metabolic syndrome. And this is a topic that you and I both have heard about since medical school and see on a regular basis. We really got inspired to kind of bring this this episode to our audience by a podcast that we listen to. It's a there's a nephrologist, Rick, Dr. Rick Johnson in Colorado, who studied the he's a kidney doctor, nephrologist, um, and his initially his research was on high blood pressure, I believe. Right, I believe so because that's one of the largest causes of um, kidney disease. Yeah, and then what happened from there, Lindsay? Because what we're going to be talking about today a lot about is sugar. And he ended up studying sugar. And it's hard to, I mean, we know diabetes can cause kidney damage due to high blood sugar. But can you talk about how his research appeared to have taken a turn from just high blood pressure to looking at sugar? Right, I think from our side, it's kind of a strange thing for him to be... um so knowledgeable about when his specialty is kidney disease, but he um, began looking at why, you know, high salt and high blood pressure, you know, salt causes high blood pressure and why that damages the kidneys. And in all his research, he did a lot of research at the cellular level. So what's going on in and out of the cell, he ended up finding um, that high uric acid levels contributed to high, to high blood pressure. And, and uric acid is what we see in gout. So right. people who have gout have high uric acid levels, and normally people don't, or we're not checking them. Right, and um, so he thought, well, maybe it's the same reason that we get gout in the big toe causes pain is because it forms these little crystals and that just hurts because they're sharp edges, right? So he thought that was maybe the same way it did damage in the kidney through these um, crystal formation, but he found out, no, that wasn't true. It was soluble uric acid in the cell that um, caused an inflammatory reaction and this inflammatory reaction then damaged the kidneys. And in his study about why this all was the case, he ended up finding that high fructose loads. So fructose is just normal sugar, um, table sugar, honey, maple syrup, high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. yeah. Any of those. Any of those things Mm -hmm. are fructose um, once they get inside our body and we break it down. And he ended up finding, you know, that it was high fructose loads that ended up increasing the uric acid that caused the inflammation that contributed to kidney damage, high blood pressure, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of the same mechanism for how we get metabolic syndrome in general. So let's back up and talk about what metabolic syndrome means and what that is first. And again, this is something that we, um, when you go through medical school, you hear a lot about metabolic syndrome. And basically, it's the dysregulation of the normal metabolism. 
and that really causes damage to many organs. So I'll let you go ahead and define that, Lindsay. Sure, it's really um, kind of a cluster of conditions that increase your risk for heart attack and stroke and diabetes. So it's kind of the pre-syndrome to those things. And it is um, includes high blood pressure, high blood sugar, excess body fat, especially around the waist, so obesity, especially um, central obesity, and abnormal cholesterol levels. Yeah, and again, this is a fairly common um, disease or illness or conglomeration. We see it in probably more than 3 million people in the United States per year, so a very common thing. We don't always specifically label it as metabolic syndrome, but I think we as physicians recognize that that's what we're taking care of. Right, so it might not be something we tell a particular patient, uh, but it's something that we understand in the background, and we just know that that it increases this symptom or this series of pre, I guess, pre-diabetes, pre-high blood pressure or high blood pressure and obesity increases your risk uh, for heart attack and stroke by a significant amount. Exactly, yeah. So let's talk about how we, and we're not going to get into the biochemistry and everything, but let's, if, if you want to do, learn more, we can put a link for this um, more detailed biochemical podcast in our show notes so you can take a look at that but we're going to go on more just a general level how does the consumption of sugar or fructose lead to metabolic syndrome and I think it's important because fructose is so prevalent in our diets it's everywhere it's in bread it's in crackers it's in you know we think of sweets and we know that maybe too many potatoes are bad but it is so um, prevalent in everything that we eat on a day-to-day basis that it's important to think about What's this doing to us and what can we do about it? So in Rick Johnson's research, he actually ended up finding that there was a um, mutation way back millions and millions of years ago, uh, a mutation in a gene that allowed for um, apes to basically be able to have a, to survive a time when there wasn't enough food to eat, right? So big drought, or, you know, over time, it's what um, kind of was natural selected in hibernators, so animals that hibernate. And basically, this is the gene that he found that is res- kind of responsible for, for what we're talking about today and metabolic syndrome and how we, we use sugar in our body. And so basically, whenever you get enough sugar intake uh, at, at one sitting, it sets off a series of events that allows your body to basically store fat instead of burn fat or burn or energy, burn energy. Exactly. so energy in general so instead of instead of burning energy as soon as you hit that set point of too much sugar at a time then all of a sudden your body goes into survivor storage mode yeah and so biologically for other animals this makes sense because Fruit gets ripe in the fall, so then these animals are eating more fruit, and the fruit itself stimulates them to eat more. It triggers hunger, and because it has sugar, it also stimulates that pathway that results in storage of energy and fat. And so animals can then do what they need to do and eat large quantities of food so that they can hibernate or get through the winter. Right, and so keys to that are slows your metabolism and makes you want to eat more. Um, he's found that 
that when, and we've kind of known always that sugar hits a spot in your brain that is a pleasure spot that makes you want to eat more. But he found that even beyond that, it, even if you blocked like the pleasure pathways of taste and all of this, that you still crave more um, because of some meta- changes that happen at the cellular level. Exactly. And so it makes sense for other animals who hibernate who, to need mm-hmm. to do this for us. Fortunately, we have food usually year-round, and so it's not important for humans to do that. And so we, it's, it's really important to adjust our diets so that we're not triggering that biologic pathway. We don't need it. It's not um, adaptive for us. It's not a positive adaptation. It's just there. Right, and he, he has done some interesting studies where, you know, they've compared fat calorie to um, sugar calorie and um you know who loses weight and who doesn't and the people who have reduced calorie intake but still eat sugar calories maintained their weight they didn't lose weight even by cutting back calories and he even talked about how somebody who is very thin but ate a bunch of sugar um in their diet still had fatty liver which i think which is another part of kind of metabolic syndrome or Uh, where you're storing fat in the liver, which can sometimes lead to liver cirrhosis and other problems with the liver, but typically was understood to be in more obese people. And we even tell people to lose weight to help with fatty liver disease. But knowing that just eating an abundance of sugar, even in somebody who's normal weight, can trigger that fat storage in the liver, um, that's really interesting and can hopefully help, help reverse that process too. Right. And we we need glucose. Our brain needs glucose to function. But it's interesting, too, because if you ate straight glucose, which none of us do because it's a concert, it's not palatable, I mm-hmm. guess. It doesn't taste as sweet, right. which is fructose is a combination of glucose and sucrose together and has a sweeter taste that really I think people enjoy and it gets the the brain going in terms of that enjoyment center Um, glucose itself is not as tasty and doesn't trigger that kind of I you know that eating that wanting to eat more and fill up it just it doesn't do that but we don't tend to have just plain glucose in many of our foods right and he he found that glucose different from fructose is that while it's being broken down to be used, it actually, it makes energy and uses energy. Whereas fructose just stores energy and stops the the ATP from being made, right? So ATP is the energy molecule that we make to, we have to make energy to burn energy and and the fructose just totally shuts that, that down. So fructose actually lowers cellular energy while it's being processed and metabolized by a cell, whereas glucose will raise cellular energy. And so fructose not only leads to storage of fat, it actually causes you to that, you know, if you eat a high carb meal and you go to sleep or feel really tired right away afterward, that's that fructose being processed by your body and the high blood sugar. But um, it does, it depletes energy. Right. So... That's why you get that kids get the sugar high and then the huge crash and crash. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do 
dig in a little more here to metabolic syndrome. So we, we mentioned that it affects many organs. We talked about liver and fatty liver where fat is stored in the liver, even in not necessarily somebody who's obese. It can be somebody who's a normal weight too, um, but that's one part of that metabolic syndrome. Kidneys can be damaged by metabolic syndrome. Some of that comes from higher blood sugars. Some of it comes from cellular inflammation. What else do we see affected by on an organ level? What else is affected by metabolic syndrome? I think we see insulin resistance, which is a big one. Um, And that is where people's cells are not responding to the insulin that they're producing. So they eat a meal, the pancreas makes insulin like it's supposed to, and that's normally how sugar gets into our cells then to be used and the cells just see that insulin, but they don't respond to it. Right. So you, so it has your pancreas has to kick out more and more insulin to try to do the same job to get rid of the sugar, glucose. Exactly. Yeah. So that eventually leads to diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, another factor within the kidneys is that when the kidneys are seeing that inflammation and they're under stress, they tend to raise the blood pressure. Right. And so they can do that by constricting blood vessels and sending signals to the body to say, I need a little more blood flow here, and then they raise the blood pressure. And so that high pressure has effects on other organs too. It tends to predispose people to heart failure, where over time the heart has to pump against those higher pressures and it puts too much stress on the heart muscle, and eventually it just has a hard time keeping up with that. And then also increases the risk for strokes. Exactly, exactly. And probably not only just the risk of stroke, but we call it microvascular disease, which we think we've talked about before on this show too, where small, tiny blood vessels in the brain do get injured by high pressure, even if somebody doesn't outwardly have symptoms. But over time, that can accumulate and cause memory loss and cognitive changes. And so not only strokes, but just kind of um, cognitive, what we would say is vascular dementia or microvascular disease. Mm-hmm. So those are the big things when we talk about metabolic syndrome and the different things that we're thinking of. And then, of course, there's the weight issue, which you already talked about, and the challenge with losing weight when people consume a lot of sugar. Right. And the biggest one is that we decrease energy and we get more of a taste and hunger for the sugar so we're eating more and then we're just storing all uh, those calories sugar calories that we ate as fat yeah and interestingly in dr johnson's studies they noted that the concentration so the the density of fructose that you're taking in matters in terms of what pathway what how your body's going to metabolize that sugar so he compared um a glass of juice to somebody eating a Snickers bar, for example. And the Snickers bar has peanuts in it and it has some other things in it. The glass of juice is worse in terms of what it's going to do to your metabolism and how it triggers that fat storage hunger pathway um, that fructose can trigger. Right. The Snickers bar has some protein and other things in it that are going to um, slow the absorption and, and maybe not hit that set off point and he also talked about how fruit the actual fruit juice is probably one of the worst things you could do um, versus eating the actual fruit itself because the same thing there's fiber and other nutrients in the the fruit itself exactly so if we're going to talk about what people can do to kind of slow this process or to help 
reduce the sugar in their diet so that this um, fat storage hunger pathway doesn't get triggered. It would be about for sure reducing the concentration of the sugar that you're taking in. So he said, you know, things that he would never ever do would be to drink juice or to drink regular sodas. Or actually he even went as far to say any drinks, so like sports drinks or any drinks with sugar added. I think he pretty much simply drinks water. Right. And so the problem with those drinks, again, is you're getting just a high sugar load with nothing else to that your body has to work on. And so just pure sugar, when your cells see that, they trigger that fat storage um, hunger pathway that is not good for us. And along the lines of the concentration, he said maybe if you had that soda and sipped one sip one teaspoon or you know some small amount every couple of hours that it wouldn't affect you but just in our habits and taste and and how we generally deal with drinking in our country that that just doesn't happen and so when we're thinking about soda I thought it was interesting, too, comparing diet soda to regular soda. What do you think, Lindsay? I think they're both a bad idea for different reasons. Um, But he, Dr. Johnson, convinced me that the diet soda would be a better choice. So if you have to choose between the two, do choose the diet. Um, But as I think I've mentioned before, we quit soda altogether in our, our household, even though we were, my husband was a huge soda drinker. Um, we've cut it out several for several years now and haven't missed it. Yeah. So I think for different reasons, the sugar substitutes become a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're better than the full-on fructose that you get in a regular soda. Yeah. And again, that's pure concentrated fructose in those drinks. So it is something to avoid. I think, yes, drinking water is good. Um, as kind of a side note, he mentioned drinking water to help with sodium intake too. He, again, as a kidney doctor, studied how salt affects the blood pressure, and we have a separate episode on that. Um, one of his findings was that if you can dilute the salt that you're taking in, so if you are eating a higher salt meal or snack, if you can drink a lot of water to dilute that, it doesn't have the same negative effects as if you're not drinking water with it. And so... Um, or drinking little water with it. And so water is important to help dilute those things too. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, I don't recommend drinking juice or soda, but if you're going to do some of these things, then having plenty of water to help dilute it is is important. Right. What other things can we do with our diet? Any anything else that you took away, Lindsay, that you would recommend people avoid or limit? Sure. He even talks about how the different fruits um, do give you huge fructose loads. So um, he says that it's probably worth, you know, eating your berries um, because of the antioxidants and other um, health benefits. Uh, But he certainly would not eat a huge load at once and would eat it with other things that slow the absorption of that fructose. He talked about, you know, the, probably the worst fruits to eat would be grapes. And um, it was kiwis and something else he said had very little fructose, right. actually. Yeah. And I can't remember the other, but kiwis for sure. But uh, the I think the takeaway point for me was that we need fruit 
because of the vitamin C and um, the antioxidants. But we need to even watch how much of that we're getting or the way that we eat it so that we don't absorb um, so much fructose at once. So that was interesting to me because you always think of fruits and vegetables as being, you know, a healthy part of your meal. And, and it is, definitely. But it just made me think differently about how I eat those fruits and what fruits I choose. Absolutely. Yep. And spreading them out kind of, again, moderation, like we talk about with many things, you know, getting that fruit with your maybe noon meal and with your supper meal, but maybe not for breakfast, because we've mentioned in the past too that morning sugar can run higher just in general. Um, or, you know, getting your five to seven servings of fruit and veggies a day, but certainly focusing on vegetables as being a little heavier than the fruit. Yep. And then, you know, another way to think about it, because fruit does contain that sugar is just to have your fruit be your dessert for your meal so you still get that sweet thing um, but it is in a healthier form in the in the form of fruit he also talked about how he would never eat dried fruit anymore which actually was a bummer to him because he enjoyed some dried fruit but he says that that doesn't take away any of the sugar but takes away all of the actual nutrients drying the fruit so and he says dried fruits and no no yeah. yeah yeah and again I agree with him it's kind of disappointing because I I think I'm still going to have some dried fruit here and there but right it, yeah maybe less so. and certainly I've used it a lot in older adult population dried fruits to help with constipation so I think yeah there's, there's a balance yep yep and then he mentioned the four other big sources of sugar in our diets and I think he said again these things not necessarily you don't have to avoid them 100% of the time, but should be eaten cautiously. And that would be potatoes, bread, bread chips, rice. and rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so kind of um, potatoes are in there twice and right. in the form of chips too. So potatoes, bread, chips, and rice. And those should really be eaten with caution. Certainly white rice should be avoided because it's a quick source of sugar and it's going to be a dense sugar load that would trigger that um, pathway that we don't want to trigger. Um, but you know, maybe the whole grain, like brown rice, isn't quite as bad, I think. Right. Um, but when you do consume in moderation. Oh, he talked about beer being bad, um, for the fructose load that you get with it. And so beer, and then we were discussing how probably then wine would be, and he didn't particularly talk about this, um, but wine would probably be doubly bad because it's one of the worst fruits comes from grapes right the highest sugar containing fruit so darn um and again (laughs) maybe it's not it's maybe not quite as bad as juice because people tend to sip wine a little more slowly than juice which you can just chug on down right so if you're sipping wine it's It's probably probably okay. okay Again, moderation, and so limit the other sugars that you're eating at the same time if you're going to have a glass of wine. Maybe that's why wine and cheese have always paired together. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, just think about moderation. Yeah, another interesting thing he talks about, which I think is probably more to come on the research front and what we do about it, but right, there's medications to decrease uric acid level because we talked about at the beginning how all this kind of stems from elevated uric acid levels. And um, 
there's medications that lower uric acid out there. And we use that to prevent gout in people who get recurrent gout. Um, there's also been several studies that show after an acute heart attack that it decreases um, morbidity, damage, mortality, yeah. yeah, damage to the heart muscle. And so it's been used a little bit post um, heart attack, but it's not the standard of care yet mm -hmm. uh, because it hasn't been fully vetted, I guess. But the question is, may, and maybe in the future, we'll be checking everybody's uric acid levels and starting more people on these medications like allopurinol. But really, that's just that's just giving you a medicine to take care of what you're putting in your mouth, right? And so if, before any of that happens, we can concentrate on making some small changes in our diet to help prevent this problem. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes back to um, our episode on cardiovascular prevention, where we talk about um, mopping the floor with the broken sink versus fixing the broken right. sink. And so potentially down the road, we'll have medications that can, quote, mop the floor and um, clean up the problem of too much sugar in our diet. But what we can do right now is just really try to limit, and again, not eliminate, because we need some glucose, but limit the sugars and specifically look at the forms of sugar that we're taking in um, right. and try to make it the best forms possible, such as healthy fruits and whole grains and things like that. Again, if you have any questions or want to are very um, scientific and like molecular science, you can go ahead and listen to either read some of these research articles or listen to the podcast that we listen to with Dr. Johnson discussing these things. But he digs really deep into the science on the molecular level. Yeah. And feel free to send us questions. We're at mail at everythingdoc.com. And I think, you know, this is listening to this has just inspired me. I've always limited high fructose corn syrup and I certainly seek out you know the ketchup that is simple ketchup without the high fructose corn syrup and I read labels um, so this just has made me want to do that even more and to be more cautious the research is really quite compelling right and so when you do hear what's happening on a cellular level it is very inspiring to make some changes and so Definitely. yeah I've been inspired at, at home to make some changes too and I think um, we need to make some bigger changes on a community-wide level, right. and that's going to be slower and harder to do, but I think we'll, we'll keep working on that too. So again, yeah, email us with questions about this episode or other um, ideas you have for future episodes, questions you have about health in general. Thanks so much for listening. You can always um, send us messages. Like we said, email us. You can find our website. We're www.everythingdoc.com. Follow us on Twitter at everythingdoc1 and on Facebook. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please write us a review. It really helps us to know that listeners are finding it to be useful. And it also helps other people to find us too. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.